This is the Holland Assets Podcast, where we show you how to start and run your own trucking company. Ever wanted to go out on your own? Follow Chris as he goes through the highs and lows of running on his own authority. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Holland Assets Podcast, episode number 104, in which, finally, Chris and I will get to your questions. It's all listener questions all the time on this episode. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? Ah, not too bad. Not too bad myself. Um, I... I have had a very interesting week of, you know, growing hops, like we mentioned last week, and dealing with Little League parents as the <laughs> as the baseball coach. So it's been a very interesting week. I'm sure anybody out there who's coached Little League knows what I'm talking about. That's why your hair's all frizzled. Oh, my gosh. It's, yeah, it's been, it's been a week. How about you? Uh, it's kind of normal for me. <laughs> okay. Normal crazy. <laughs> I, I guess I'm kind of used to the crazy all the yeah, time. Well, always lots of things going on. Seems that way. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Chris... It, how do we want to do this episode? I'm struggling because this is so out of the norm for us. This is not the kind of episode we usually do. Uh, is there anything you want to get off your chest as far as stories from the road, or do you want to dive right into first, these listener questions? First thing questions? I want to point out is that I'm wearing my um, question-answering shirt. <laughs> for those who can't see it, it says Wicked Smart. <laughs> from my one of my recent, my last trips to Boston. So yeah, I, I figured it was very appropriate for answering listener questions very nice very nice i you know i was wearing my um holland assets t-shirt which people can go buy at the link in the show notes um but the uh so i was wearing my holland assets t-shirt last friday and i got two comments one from my wife who got a chuckle and said hey nice shirt uh and then i was wearing it during a live stream on a youtube channel that i nice. run uh, so there were you know 150 people were like dude what's that shirt <laughs> i was like well not only so you've made a plug huh for that's holland what, assets you're that's darn awesome. right yeah look I'm, at you go i'm doing the work okay i'm putting the work in chris yeah. That's cool. All right. So how how do we want to tackle this? Um, I, I think for the most part, um, let, let's talk a little bit about one. Um, the first three questions that we're going to answer today, we got, we've got we got eight questions total. We're going to do four on this episode. I think it's nine now. Is it nine? I, got, up to I nine? got a ninth today. All right. Sweet. So we're up to nine. I'm gonna, we're going to put four of them on this episode. The first three are kind of related. Um, and then the last one's about fuel, which is kind of the hot topic Oof. of the day. So we'll talk a little bit about fuel um, see that ladies and gentlemen, a professional tease. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, somebody get this man a poll. <laughs> so, um, I, I know four of the ones, I'm not sure who the last one is, but Barry, um, Eldwin, Darren and Kevin, their questions are going to be answered yep. in the next episode. And Tony, don't and worry, Tony, Tony we'll so get to you. Tony's the fifth one. Yep. So we'll get those in the next one. Um, t-shirts are on the way. Um, these guys, if you haven't, by the time the episode launches very shortly, you'll get an email from either me or, um, my assistant getting your, uh, shirt sizes and mailing directions. We'll get that all sent off next episode. We'll announce who won the hundred dollar, um, gift card and then i think the episode after that is when we're going to do the, the stories mm. and kind of um experiences of some of our listeners and then that one will announce who won the thousand dollars oh my gosh thousand yeah. bucks chris that. all right so should we get into the questions starting with doug yeah let's get into okay. the questions doug's number one here's doug hi i'm doug and uh my question is uh what is your opinion on using a dispatch service for a one truck owner operator short Perfect. simple to yeah, the point that's, that's a good one so, yeah thanks doug uh yeah chris what is your opinion on this I, I actually have several opinions and so this you know this is not a simple you know one-liner answer so i'm gonna i'm gonna give a, a, a 
a couple different ideas and thoughts behind using a dispatcher for a one truck owner operator. So I would say I would highly recommend it for at least the first year. And we've talked a little bit about this in the past. And the, and the big reason behind using one for the first year is that first year is when it's the hardest to find loads because there's a lot of brokers and shippers out there, you know, that won't work with a company that hasn't been in existence for at least three months or even six months. By the time you hit that year mark, just about every broker and shipper out there will let you haul for them. So especially the first couple of months are really, really hard. And a good dispatcher knows how to navigate that and mm. find you loads, get you references from loads that you've already hauled to provide the few brokers or shippers that that will work with a brand new authority, um, you know, kind of help you just through that whole entire process of that first year. Cause it, it is it's it's not easy to do. Let me let me ask you a couple follow up questions on that. Um, is it that you are borrowing the reputation of the dispatcher, or just that they know how to navigate the waters for you? It, Does that make sense? It's both because a good dispatcher that's got a reputation with brokers and shippers they've worked with, oftentimes can kind of um, they can sweet talk it. They can sweet talk it and get somebody get a broker or shipper to you know, bend their policy or, you know, work around the system. But that's part of it, but more so more than anything, they know how to navigate, okay. you know, like by the getting references and, and doing a few other things and, and really just knowing which brokers and shippers will allow a newer guy to haul loads for him. Okay. Second question I've got for you is about pricing on this. The way you described it, it sounds like uh, a dispatcher taking on a brand new authority uh, is going to have more work to do to get loads for that driver, right? Absolutely. Uh, so can that can that brand new owner operator expect to pay more to that dispatcher to get that work done? Uh, or is it kind of just an understanding that, hey, this is gonna be tougher for the first few months, even for me, the dispatcher? I, I would say it's more along the lines of, this is kind of just the understanding it's gonna be a little bit more work and, and a little tougher. Typically, after you've been with the dispatcher for a while and they feel comfortable with you, they know how you operate and they like how you operate, you're good, you you fit well into their system, oftentimes they'll at that point start to give you a little bit of a, a price break. But that's as much of a function as their ability to work with you mm. as at anything else. If, if you're kind of a headache client for them, they're probably not going to give you a discount. If right. they've worked with you for a while and, and you're you're good to work with, they like working with you, you're more likely to get a little bit of a break on their pricing. Right, right. Okay, so what about after that first six months, one year, whatever? Do you keep, do you recommend that they keep on using a dispatcher? I, I think there's pros and cons to that. And and I think after the first year, you can kind of start to have that, you know, kind of make that internal conversation with yourself if it makes sense to to move on. But after that first year, if you've kind of been paying attention to how the dispatcher operates, you're going to learn you know, who are the good brokers and shippers in your area, where the good loads come from, you know, good routes going in and out of your location. And and you'll kind of see what the system, what's kind of worked for your company in the past. And and it becomes easier to replicate that after you've done it for a while and, and seen it happen. So I, I think after that year mark, it becomes more realistic to be able to do that. Um, but there's reasons to maybe not. Okay. Well, such as? Such as one, it, say again, let's let's still focus on that single owner operator. If you're a single owner operator, you're probably driving, you know, ten to eleven hours a day. Um, those loads that are coming up on load boards, the really good ones, the ones that pay well, you know, you, they they get taken and snatched up in 
minutes, if right. not instant, you know, near instantly. And so you just don't have the ability when you're driving down the road to pay attention to, to the load boards that, that well and respond that quickly. And so, you know, doing it yourself, you may be able to get loads, but you may not be getting the highest price loads. And, and in reality, you know, you may be better off, less headache, paying somebody else to do it, to get the higher loads and, and what they charge is really, you're, you're you may be sixes in, in, you know, so, what you actually net as a company, if that makes sense. Right. So financially, it may be a wash. It may be a wash. Um, but in terms of headache and stress level and yeah. whatnot, it's not. <laughs> it's not because the, the dispatcher's doing a lot of things for you, not just finding your loads. They're they're filling out broker packets, which take a lot of time. Um, they're doing, you know, a lot of times they're doing the billing, um, getting everything already, organizing the paperwork, getting it ready to submit. You know, sometimes they'll even submit it to the the broker shipper they, they take a, a a load off of your plate not just finding the load right now is there anything you wanted to say outside of the single owner operator do you want to talk because you've been growing your fleet uh do you want to talk about that at all or do we yeah, wanna... let, let's so that kind of answers the owner operator yeah um piece let's let's kind of use this as a good opportunity to talk a little bit about a, a small fleet so like like ourselves you know we've grown from one truck you know, we're, we're kind of in that transition between six and seven right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're still using a dispatcher. We're still using the same dispatcher that we have from day one. And, and I think there's some advantages to that. And I, and I think especially if you're, if you're trying to grow your business and you're under, you know, five trucks or under the amount of money it would cost you to hire an employee to essentially replace your dispatcher um, it's probably cheaper just to keep the dispatcher, the, the part-time external yeah. third-party dispatcher, yeah. they, you know, because one, you know, employees have a tendency to quit. They may stick around for two months. They may stick around for 20 years, but you just, you never know. And so having a lot of turnover early on in your business is hard. You know, mm -hmm. once you get a little bit bigger, the turnover is a little bit easier to absorb. Um, so you, you don't have to worry about teen turnover. Uh -oh, what did <laughs> I say? No, I'm laughing because I listen to quite a few podcasts that get sponsorships from Indeed. Uh -huh. Or no, it's not that one. It's one of the other ones. Is HR issues can kill you, yeah. you know. And <laughs> so I'm just waiting for you to do an ad read for. I can't remember the name of the company, and that's fine. We should see if they want to sponsor they, this. Episode. Exactly, they yeah. haven't paid us, so I shouldn't <laughs> remember their name. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's that that whole thing is a is a headache, you know dealing with an employee, like typically a dispatchers, they're typically independent contractors. They work really well. They know what they're doing. Um, and they've got expertise and you're not having to train somebody who's going to quit on you and possibly in three months and have to retrain another person. And so I think when you're early on and you're trying to grow, um, it, it makes sense to still have a dispatching service as you get somewhere between that five and 10 truck size, then, you know, depending on what your goals are with your company, that may not necessarily be the case. You may find that it makes more sense to bring it in house and, and do it in our, in our situation with Holland assets right now, we're, we're basically committed. We're going to keep our dispatcher at least through 11 trucks. Mm. Um, and, and my suspicion is, is that there's a really good chance we'll probably go beyond that. Um, we, what we've got right now is working pretty well. Um, it gives Nate the freedom and ability to focus on other things. It gives me the ability to focus on other things, you know, like adding trucks, you know, dealing with some of the equipment issues and some of the other things that, that go along with it. So right. we've, we, we feel like a, a dispatch service, even in our situation makes a lot of sense. Right on. 
Okay, Chris, should we do another question? Let's go to the next one. All right, the next one comes from Vanita. Vanita, who called from the road. So if she's a little tough to understand, don't worry. I will restate the question. Yeah, she was literally on the road while, nice. she, while we That's recorded awesome. this. So, cool. Vanita, let's hear from you. And my question is, I am an owner-operator, and I am the driver, I'm the dispatcher, I'm the bookkeeper, administrative assistant, I'm all of that. So my question is, did you update your your own bookkeeping? Did you keep track of your own bookkeeping? And if so, how often did you do a schedule that you made to be able to juggle that task along with driving, dispatching? Um, I just need some help streamlining that process because I'm taking care of all of that. All right, so that was Vanita asking about uh, whether, you know, because you wear a lot of hats as a, an owner-operator, owner whether you're a new one or an old hat, right, so to speak. A lot of hats. What What's your opinion on uh, updating your, your, she called it updating your data or uh, managing your books and that sort of thing? Do you, do you do that yourself? Do you farm that out? How do you handle it? That's a that's a great question, and Vanita is a busy woman. I you, you know you know she is. She's doing it all, which I think is awesome, and she, and she's she's going to learn a lot doing that. And and I think you know, the whole dispatching we just talked about dispatching with Doug's question, um, and, and I think there's a, a really good argument to have somebody else doing that in your business. It, it but I'm always a big fan of understanding all aspects of your business. And I think what Vanita is doing, where she's doing a lot of that stuff on her own, is helping her understand a lot of the aspects in her business. And I and I really appreciate that she's said um, that having listened to Holland Assets and listening to the podcast, it has motivated her to understand the books better and to understand things. So um, let's talk a little bit about this. And and her question actually is going to lead really well into the third question that we've got from Greg. So let me tell her, tell her what I did. So my first year, I did everything essentially except for the dispatching. So while I was on the road, I still did the books. I still did, you know, kind of coordinated the um, vehicle maintenance stuff. I coordinated paying bills. I, I, did, I did everything other than the dispatching. And so I usually tried to, whenever I arrived at a shipper, or I arrived at a receiver, you know, I'm hauling reefer stuff. And, and so reefer is notorious for taking a long time to get loaded and unloaded. And so that gave me, that was my time to sit back, you know, when I was waiting for the load to be taken care of, to sit back and do these things. So I, you know, once or twice a week would go in and, and work on my books. Um, I'd, I'd work on paying bills, just kind of some of those different tasks that need to happen. And that's usually when I tried to do it. Um, there was a couple other things that I learned from this, you know, and one of those lessons I, if you, if you're a long time listener to the podcast, you probably heard me talking about this within the first few episodes, like within the first few loads that I ever hauled, I learned this lesson really quick. And that was when I stopped, stopped driving for the day, I would put my number one priority as you remember what it was sleep getting sleep yep. because I remember well, one of the, that and peanut M&M's well, always we all have our priorities. Yeah. We've got to have the peanut M&M's, <laughs> um, but it was pretty easy to eat those. That didn't take too long, but I would, I would stop and 
um, the, you know, one of the first few times that I stopped and did my 10 hour reset, I started working on some of those administrative tasks and started doing things. And the next thing I know, I've got to start driving again in four hours mm. and that's just not enough time to get sleep. So my recommendation for Vanita and everybody else out there is make sure sleep and your safety becomes the priority over doing the administrative yeah. tasks. Those you can kind of, you know, find a 30 minutes here, an hour there, you know, when you're at shippers or receivers or, you know, I would sleep. And then a, a lot of times I'd wake up and, you know, it'd be two hours before I needed to drive again. And I do some of that work at, mm -hmm. then at that point, you know, and uh, let me just add on to this a little bit that uh, when it comes to something like bookkeeping, it is intimidating. If it's not something that you're familiar with, if you didn't take the, uh, the accounting courses that I failed in college. Uh, <laughs> if you didn't you know, go to business school, you know, it can feel intimidating to have to deal with that sort of thing. Now, there are a lot of online resources out there. Obviously, you can YouTube anything and learn how to do it, right? But Chris, do you want to know how I learned how to podcast? How's that? I bought a book called Podcasting for Dummies. Have you ever used the For Dummies series <laughs> or things few, like yeah, it? Yeah, it's been a while, but yeah, I've used yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while for me too, but I, I, I've done it like three or four times with different topics, um, and they're great. Absolutely. They're really great, you know, just to just to get your feet wet, familiarize yourself a little bit. They're not as dry as a textbook, but they're just as helpful. Um, that That's, look, it's just my two cents. You can countermand me if you want to, but I would say grab something like that, you know, uh, accounting or bookkeeping for dummies. Yeah. And uh, it really helps. Absolutely. To dip into a subject. Now, Vanita, before we leave her, was also, I believe, the one who said that, yes, you do need to put my face on the side of the truck. Uh, so thank you, Vanita. Wow. Before, before we move on to Greg, I just wanted to make sure I snuck that yeah. one in there. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Vanita. <laughs> <laughs> You're just making his head grow bigger and bigger and bigger. You're darn. Well, something's got to hold all this hair. Okay. So, uh, all right. So next up is Greg. Uh, all right. So let's pull up Greg here and see what he has to say. Yeah. Uh, my question is um, what the kind of a breakdown of the different administrative tasks, uh, not driving, but all the other stuff like dispatch, uh, accounts receivable, fleet management, whatever the different tasks are that need to be done by an owner, administrator, manager of the business, and then um, what the time estimates would be for those, maybe on a weekly, monthly basis, and, uh, you know, to kind of figure out whether to do things in-house or through vendors and what that mix might look like um, juggling the different options. So there you have it. Thank you, Greg. Uh, and Chris, what say you? That's a good one. I, this one might be our, our longest answer um, because there's a lot that really goes into it. So first thing I want to start off with is a little bit of a caveat here. Um, one, I'm basing these hours off of the person being proficient at each one of the tasks. Mm, right. And so when you first start doing some of these things, it may take you significantly longer than what I say because you're kind of learning. Before you've gotten through the Four Dummies book on yes. whatever the subject is, uh -huh. right? <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay. After you've practiced it a little while and you've done it for a little while, mm -hmm. you're going to get more, you know, more quick at doing these tasks and they're, you're going to get better at them and, yeah. and they're not going to take as long. But and, and so I'm basing these times off of somebody with that that has a, a certain level of proficiency to do these. Okay, fair enough. And, and the second thing that I want to point out is that um, I'm also basing it off of one truck. So like 
typically what it would take an owner operator to do these things. If you're a small fleet, you can kind of, you know, if you've got two trucks, you can kind of multiply these times by two. You know, that's not going to be a perfect, um, right. It's not going to be a perfect method, but it'll get you close. Um, you know, some of these things, especially like accounting, it may not be a two for one exchange in time. It may be one point, you know, 1.5, not right. two, but sure. it, it's still, it'll give you a, a, a decent idea. Okay. Fair enough. So caveat, caveat. And what were the hours that you came out with? All right. So he, let's go down each one of these tasks. These are the most common tasks that you're going to have as a, as an owner operator, as a trucking company owner. So one first finding loads and dispatching. Um, if, if, even if you're doing it for yourself, it's still going to take time. And this also is one of those things, you know, especially on a weekly number, which is really what I'm basing these hours on that can vary quite a bit depending on how many loads you get. If you're a local guy, you could be doing two loads a day, um, or a load every day. If you're going across country, like we typically do, you're usually only getting two, maybe three loads in a week, typically just two loads a week. Mm-hmm. And and so you're not going to be spending as much time on this task. So I, I've kind of based this on if you're doing two loads a week, it, it's typically going to take you four or five hours to do what I would call the, the load piece. And so that includes finding the load, contracting the load. Um, you know, if it's a new broker that you've never hauled for, you're going to have to do a broker packet um, you, you also have to, you know, sign all the, the rate confirmation, get the bill of lading, get everything kind of organized. So that four to five hours a week for those two loads is, is going to give you a, you know, a, a pretty good idea of how long that's going to take. And that, that includes doing all of that stuff. Yeah. Okay. So what's next, what's next after the, the load issues? Um, then it, it's still kind of s- similar to the load, but I decided to, to make this as separate is, you kind of your billing, submitting the paperwork, collecting payment, because not everybody pays their bills without being hounded. Can what? you imagine that? Chris, yeah. what? Yeah, not everybody just on day 30, <laughs> you're not always going to get the money. If you're using a factoring company, typically you'll get it that same day. But if you're billing and um, not using a factoring company, it can take take longer. And so this is this is assuming you're not using a factoring company and doing it all on your own. Right. So um, two to three hours a week, roughly. Gathering all the paperwork, submitting it, invoicing the client, and then collecting the client because most of the clients aren't going to, they might not pay right away. Okay. So this is still kind of ties into the load issues where you're talking about four to six week, four to six hours a week uh, on the front end of those loads to Mm -hmm. get a couple of loads a week. Whereas on the back end, okay, you've delivered the load. Now what? How do I get paid? How do I, all that stuff. That's an additional two to three hours. Correct. Oh man, that's a lot of time. It is a lot of time. So that's why you suggest a dispatcher. (laughs) Those are the two biggest things right there. So if you have a dispatcher and a factoring company, those two combined will almost like, that'll probably take that to 15 minutes. Oh man, Chris, this episode brought to you by, say it. Say it. I thrive funding. Yep. I thrive funding. That's yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's my that's my factoring company for for those who are new listeners, and and that's one of the things that we do. Yeah, uh, awesome. Absolutely. We, okay, fine. We won't beat that advertisement to death. <laughs> but uh, okay, next after the load stuff and the collections, then I, I would say managing equipment, and so that I would include like getting a service done on trucks, your your preventive maintenance services done. Um, when there are repairs that need to be made, you know, kind of managing all that kind of th- stuff. So I, I would say that's typically on average one to two hours a week. Okay. So that's on average, but, uh, if the financials episodes are any indication from, you know, over the few years we've been doing this, 
that's going to come in waves, right? You might have a week where you're not doing any of that stuff. Uh, and then a week where you have to spend 10 hours just to Correct. get the truck back on the road. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And, and obviously the age of your equipment's going to dictate that mm. the, it, the older your vehicles are, the older your trucks are, your trailers, all your equipment, the more often you're going to be spending, the more time you're going to be spending dealing with that. Yep. Okay. All right. Next up. Next up is my favorite accounting, your least favorite. It's, I, I, it's just that it scares me, Chris. Okay. This is, <laughs> it says more about me than it does about accounting. Okay. You know, I, I'm like the spider that accounting is trying to step on. I'm more scared of it than it is of me. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. So it's one to two hours a week. And, and I would say for most people, once you become proficient, you're probably going to be closer to that one hour a week. Okay. All right. Uh, and then you've got paying bills up next. Yep. Paying bills about an hour a week. Okay. And that's literally just getting on doing the e-payments yep. or, you know, like on the, the website that yeah. you got to go That's to. usually how I do it. It's just, yeah. you know, either going onto a website or I use the, the essentially your bank's ba- uh, bill pay system. That mm-hmm. way the bank pays for the cost of the, the envelope check. and yep. I don't. There you go. And it's easy and convenient. So I'll, I, that's usually how I pay most of my bills. <laughs> now, next up is a big one. We talk about this a lot. Oh, or I guess we have. We don't talk about it constantly, but compliance. Yes. Compliance is a beast. It is sometimes. a beast. And so, and I'm, I've kind of categorized a handful of things into this c- compliance realm. Um, I, I would say anything that has to do with um keeping your your trucks legal and operating legal and so whether that's dealing with hours of service thing so if you're if you are an owner operator you know whether you're following the hours of service rules and mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily need to audit your own logs because you're the one creating the logs so you, you you're not spending much if any time doing that um, but you will be doing things like filing your IFTA return which you have to do to stay legal you're going to be doing things like keeping your truck registered um, you know, getting additional permits that you need to do, all that kind of stuff, get, making sure your safety inspections done, your drug testing is done, all, all the other compliance things that you have to do. And so I would say all of that together boiled down is about two hours a week. Okay. Now, and this one kind of overlaps with equipment maintenance, right? To keep your truck yep. legal, yep. Um, you know, changing lights on that Christmas tree, right? Yep. That we talk about all the time or, you know, whatever little thing you got to do. Yeah. Uh, and that, that one's, I probably should have maybe put a little bit of a range in that because you can probably get it down to closer to an hour mm. um, a week, but one to two hours a week. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, and then you've got a miscellaneous category that I assume has a lot of miscellaneous yeah, stuff in it. And it, this is kind of the, it, it, there's a lot of things that kind of come up that sometimes you just have to deal with. And so that's, you know, roughly two hours a week of just mm. whatever fire starts this week that you've got to put out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and you, what, a couple hours a week, you said, on that? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, uh, and then the next category. Before we get to the next oh, category, okay. let's talk about the total. Cause that, so that total oh, okay. range is, is 13 to 17 hours. So if you're an owner-operator and you're doing all of that stuff, plus you're driving, I mean, it, it, you're probably driving, you know, if you're maximizing your time, you're driving 70 hours in a week, plus you're adding another you know, 13 to 17 hours of administrative tasks onto that. You're working pretty hard. Yeah, this is not a not an easy job. And frankly, from where I'm sitting in my comfy podcasting chair, thank you, everybody who drives those trucks. Yeah, Sincerely. I, I honestly, I'm probably biased because I'm in the industry, but I, I think <laughs> truck driving for, if you look at the, the general populace, it's one of the, the 
more thankless jobs out there. People don't realize how how tough it tough is. it is. Yeah. It's not as easy as you would think. It's not just you're not I'm just sitting sit in, in a seat. truck all day long and and driving. There's a lot more that goes into it, especially on, once you take the plunge into an owner operator situation. Right? Absolutely. So all right. Uh, now that was the total 13 to 17 hours, give or take, on a weekly basis for all these extra outside tasks. Uh, but you had one more category. I've got one more category, and this is outside the realm of owner operators. This is um, hiring because hiring is actually one of the more time consuming mm. things that you do if if you're a fleet owner and you're not you know you're not driving. You've got somebody else driving your trucks. We Nate and I kind of talked this through a little bit, and we estimate that we're probably spending a good twenty hours for every time we've got to hire somebody. That includes from posting the ad to talking to a bunch of different potential drivers, interviews with the people we get really serious about, and then you know making sure it, people that we do try to hire that through that screening process that we've talked about in some of our other episodes, you're, you're a good solid 20 hours. Yeah, and that's it. it's one of those numbers where somebody might go, wait, that's it? Well, you sit down for 20 hours, take a break from all your other work and have to yeah. hire somebody. That's a lot of time yeah. to set aside. It um, is. I mean, yeah. it, it's even if it's you think about it, if, if you're spreading those 20 hours over a um, two week period, that's a quarter of your normal work day is right. doing just hiring. And it, it gets overwhelming and time consuming. Right. All right, Chris. Well, we good on that one. We want to move on to our last question. I think that's good on that one. Okay. Last question is from Trevor, uh, who you mentioned has a question about fuel. I think it's a question everybody has about fuel. All right. Let's hear from Trevor. One of the questions I got for you is uh, with the cost of fuel being uh, on the rise and continuing to moving up forward, uh, um, it's a significant cost in in my day-to-day business. Um, what steps do you guys recommend or, or have to reduce those costs? Do you guys use fuel carts or, or manage uh, uh, any type of software to reduce your uh, uh, routes? You know, what, what do you guys use? All right. Well, Chris, I want to first of all point out how nice Trevor was to say, what advice do you guys have? So let me start with my <laughs> advice. Okay. Here's my advice. Uh, okay, that is listen to Chris. Don't, Chris, what you got? Don't put gas in your <laughs> in your truck. Is that your advice? Are you just trying to make this episode harder for me to edit? You want me to bleep that one out? No, you better not bleep that out. <laughs> that's one way to save on fuel is don't put gas in your in your truck because that's just going to cause lots of maintenance problems. Uh, I hate you, Chris. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, no. Uh, so Trevor did also say uh, in the email he sent to us that gas is up to. Or, okay. There we go. You've cursed me. <laughs> the fuel is uh, well up over five bucks a gallon in his area, and I'm sure it's worse in others. In, in Utah uh, right now, it's almost six. Right. We're almost up to six for diesel. Oh, I was just on the West Coast a week ago. Forget oh, about heck. it. California, yeah. Oregon, Washington. Like California, I think, is up to like eight, isn't oh, it? Awful, awful. Yeah. So how do you mitigate this? What What can you do? You need to do everything you can. And the thing with fuel is, is there is no silver bullet. There's no one thing that's just going to make a big impact on saving fuel. I, I kind of compare it to, you know, it's, it's kind of like death by a thousand paper cuts. Mm. It's a lot of little things that if you do a lot of little things, it's going to make a big difference. Yeah. 
There is so one. He, he, oh, sorry. Go on. There, there is one thing. So I, I'm trying to list these, you know, roughly in order of what I think is going to be the biggest impact. And this first one really does have the biggest impact, but there's drawbacks to it. Um, what do you think that is? You uh, probably looked at it. You're cheating, aren't you? I, I would. Chris, I would never ever do that. <laughs> starting now, <laughs> slower speeds, right? Slower speeds. Yeah. yeah. I've, so I, I've done a little bit of research on this, and and. I don't have looking at our own fleet a, a good solid. Yes, this is actually the case, but I I have experimented a little bit with with speed in in, in our trucks, and I can guarantee you that it, it is a pretty significant difference when you're you're talking about how fast you're driving. So, a, a couple of the studies that I've read have kind of put this savings into a range, and if you go from seventy five miles an hour down to sixty five miles an hour it's a good 25% reduction wow. in fuel consumption. That's, so that, that's a, that's significant. That's big. The, the problem with that's driving. That's at least a silver colored bullet. It is a silver colored bullet. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's better than nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, 25% it, is a lot. It, it, it can be big, but the problem is the reason I say, I don't think it's big is because it becomes really hard to drive 65 miles an hour one, it, it a lot of times, you know, especially when when the market tightens, it gets really hard to make your lanes in in on time. So your deliveries on time. Also, most truck drivers that are getting paid by the mile, they don't want to drive sixty five miles an hour. So it gets right. really hard to hire drivers if you govern your trucks at that speed. So there's a lot of reasons that trucks. Most trucking companies, unless you're like a really big trucking company, most trucking companies don't govern their trucks to that slow of a speed. Right. Well, and you're also shaving off, uh, what, up to 100 plus miles a day that yeah. you can cover. And so you can turn your loads more quickly. Mm -hmm. And and so th that's another reason that you typically don't go 65 miles an hour. Right. Well, one thing's for sure, Chris, I can't drive 55 Okay. All right. Let's move on from that. Uh, okay. So what other, what other silverish bullets you got? Um, and another big, bigger ish one is, uh, reducing your idling limited idling as much as possible. And so there's a few things that we do at Hall and assets to help with that. The biggest one being is we have APUs, auxiliary power units on all of our trucks and bunk heaters. And so in the, in the winter time, they can keep their truck warm, and, and, and typically, the nothing has to run. Even the APU doesn't have to run much at night because those, those bunk, bunk heaters it, they use diesel fuel and a very small amount of diesel fuel. I think I I think I read one time like three ounces an hour, wow. which is not much. No, not at all. Um, and and they that just jet, use a fan. That jet flying overhead, I guarantee, uses a lot more than three ounces um, an hour. Probably, Basically, yeah. That's the, I think it uses three ounces a second. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably in this conversation's already used like 10 gallons <laughs> jp8 which is basically diesel fuel so there you go did you we're gonna know let that? his we're gonna let his buddy go by and then we'll 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 be right back it's the sound of freedom yeah <laughs> all right so so the the apu consumes a lot the bunk heater consumes almost nothing and it uses so so, so small amount of electricity a lot of times you can go through the whole night without just off of battery power and and, and they work pretty well. So that's a, a big thing that we do. We, we kind of monitor our drivers and make sure they aren't idling crazy. And, and ours have all been really pretty good. They're not idling a whole lot. And I've, I've kind of thrown some numbers together here. Um, most trucks use about a gallon in an hour when they're idling. So if you idle for an hour, that's, you know, in, in today's fuel prices, that's easily five bucks an hour. 
if you idle during your 10 hour reset or your 10 hour break, that's 50 bucks. And I, it, it shocked me when I was driving, you know, how often I would pull into either a shipper receiver or into a travel plaza and there'd be dozens of trucks just sitting there idling how much fuel that was taking. It's a ton. It's a lot of money. It's a lot. It, it, I mean, on top of what you were already saying, this kind of stuff can add up, right? Absolutely. It adds up a lot. And you think about it, if you're spending 50 bucks a day idling your truck, you know, 10 days on the road, 500 bucks, you're probably 20 plus days a month on the road. That's easily a thousand dollars a month that you're spending on fuel idling your truck that could be reduced significantly by using an APU or just not idling. How much does an APU run? Um, an APU installs about $12,000. And then I think they use like a quarter of a gallon of fuel an hour, or a, an hour. So, you know, a, a 50 to 75% reduction. Mm. It's a lot in, of money though. Could, could somebody buying a truck get that rolled into their uh, loan or is that going to be You can, separate? like mo- most of ours where we've been, I think actually all of ours, we've been able to get it as part of the loan. Perfect. So the, the yeah. dealership actually sends the, the truck to the um, Thermal King where we get all our APUs and they install it and it's just included on kind of the final invoice of the uh, the truck. Right on. Now, uh, there's also just buying cheap, right? Chris, you're, you're on you, you know You're going to have to be bleeping out a lot for, today. For like 90 episodes, I've been so good. <laughs> and then you say it once in this episode and you're killing me. Buy cheap fuel, right, Chris? Yep. Buy the, the least expensive fuel that you can. And um, if you're fueling it, the major chains, you're probably not purchasing. <laughs> you're doing it wrong. The least expensive fuel out there. And um, the other thing you kind of have to keep in mind. So, you see retail prices of fuel posted as you're driving down the the highway, right? Mm. Most trucking companies are not paying what that right posted amount is. And you'd actually be shocked how big of a difference there is between what's posted and what, you know, larger fleets are actually paying. It's a pretty right. big price decrease. And the the problem is is that you usually can't negotiate your own fuel prices until you've got at least 15 trucks. And even at 15 trucks, the, the amount of price break that you're going to get isn't going to be anywhere close to what a hundred or a thousand truck fleet is going to get. But at least at 15, you can start to get something. And so one of the things that we've done, we have a fuel card, it's called Fuel Stream, that where we have gone out and we have negotiated rates, you know, we, we've kind of, we, we've actually been working on this for like two or three years and we, we've got enough people on it now that we're getting a, a pretty significant number of gallons purchased each month, which is allowing us to go out and negotiate fuel prices on behalf of the users. And, you know, we're basically treating ourselves like a, a larger trucking company, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. And um, it, uh, it it's making a big difference. And so our clients are able to use this fuel card and they're able to get you know, closer to what a large trucking fleet would get in fuel prices. And so that's helping quite a bit. The other thing that FuelStream does is um, we've got an app that people can use that you can, it's, it's a routing app and it looks at what the discount is on the fuel card and it will determine along your route 
which is the best place to stop and fuel your truck. It'll give you, you know, a list of what all the prices are with the discount. So you can see it easy. You can see it concisely and, um, save yourself a, a pretty decent amount of money. And so fuel streams, a, a good option. So the, the fuel card route as, um, as Tony or Trevor, excuse me, as Trevor mentioned, um, is it something I think every trucking company should use? Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, the next tip, because uh, I lied and said I wouldn't cheat after that moment, but I did. I looked down and you mentioned uh, pulling out of bad traffic. Uh, and this makes a lot of sense to me. If you're out on the road and you hit an urban area and it's 5 p.m., you might be screwed, right? Uh, so now's a good time to just sit it out, right? Take care yep. of some of those admin tasks, get your break out of the way. What, what else would you say about that? I, I think that's a good thing to do. And I, I actually did that quite a few times when I was driving. Like if you're, if you're driving and you come into a big traffic accident or backup or something, don't just sit there and idle the truck and pull forward. If you like, if, if you can, if there's any, any way that you possibly can pull off to the side of the road or go on to, you know, take an exit, go to a rest stop, go somewhere and stop and just wait it out. And you can use your split sleeper birth time. You can, um, use your 30 minute break. And, and another thing that you can also do is you can use the adverse driving conditions a lot of the times and you can uh, traffic, unexpected traffic is a valid reason to use the um, adverse driving conditions exemption. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And two birds with one stone, right? Yep. Get the uh, stop idling and save some fuel and uh, take advantage of that time. Um, all right. Any other tips on fuel, Chris? Um, a couple, a couple little ones, um, tire inflation, I've, I've read other reports that for every 10 PSI that your tires underinflated, it can have a 1% effect on your fuel consumption. And that adds up over time and, and it's really completely avoidable and easy. It doesn't really cost you money to, you know, spend, you know, in, in most situations, a uh, uh, five minutes once a week to make sure your tires are all where they're supposed to be. And then the last one that I want to talk about is just aerodynamics. There's, there's two things on aerodynamics that are pretty simple. Um, the first one doesn't have that big of an impact, but it's really easy to do. And that's sliding your fifth wheel. You want to have your fifth wheel all the way forward. So the gap between your trailer and your tractor is as small as it possibly can be. Oh, really? The smaller that gap is, the more aerodynamic your truck is. Huh. Um, and and so you creating see, less space for the air to flow through. Yeah, okay, interesting. Cause drag and, and so that that helps. The, the the second thing that is more impactful and and this is why you see these on almost every trailer, but the trailer skirts that uh, mm. are beneath the trailer, they they kind of the same thing. They keep the air flowing down the side of the trailer instead of going underneath the trailer and and creating more drag. I, I've seen those you know studies that say that that saves as much as five percent. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, that's pretty significant. Have you yeah. ever used the, uh, the flaps I see sometimes on the back of the trailer? I don't know what they're called. Yeah. It, I, um, I think they're called trailer tails or something like okay, that. that I, I, we've never used them. And I think a lot of people don't use them cause they're a, a hassle to use. Cause every time you open and close the doors, you have to move them around. People don't like them. And then the savings isn't huge right. using those. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right, Chris, we've made it through a few questions. This may be one of our longest ever episodes. Yeah. Uh, and so thanks to the listeners for sending stuff in. We've got more coming. Uh, we've got stuff from Barry, Eldwin, from Darren, 
Kevin, maybe Tony. I think we might get to Tony as well. Anyway, so we've got more coming. Uh, and I don't know when it'll air. Two weeks from now, maybe after another I, financials I'm guessing episode. It's probably going to be more like four weeks from now, okay. or maybe even six, because we still need to do the uh, the listener, listener stories. stories. And so we'll probably I'll, I'll probably try to do that one before we throw this one in. So it may be a little while, but we're going to get to them. No, oh, absolutely. Uh, but thanks to everybody who submitted questions for today's episode, and uh, for the rest of you, please. You can do the same thing, even if it's not in the same style. But you can go to hollandassetsllc.com, submit questions there. Uh, we can still grab them and, and use them on future episodes uh, also. And give us a rating on iTunes. Go to find us on Facebook. And for heaven's sake, buy yourself a very stylish t-shirt uh, using the link in the uh, <laughs> the episode description. So, Chris, anything else today or should we I, let's wrap head it up? out? Okay. Yep. Thanks for coming, Chris, and thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next time. See ya.